You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to From the Bleachers. I'm your host, as always, Seamus Clancy, coming to you from the wonderful Vinegar Nation Radio Podcast. Now, as I've said for the last several podcasts this year, I'm recording this on YouTube, streaming live on here, and all of our videos that I will be doing for the podcast are up on YouTube and available to watch. So if you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, be sure to check out our YouTube channel too, Bleeding Green Nation on there. Subscribe, give us some thumbs up, some nice reviews, all of those things that will allow us to keep creating good, great content for all of you out there who love our stuff. Newsletter, our podcast, uh, the website itself, Bleeding Green Nation. I'm recording this Tuesday afternoon, just dropped a new mailbag that I usually do, the Weapon X mailbag, in honor of the great Brian Dawkins and Wolverine, obviously. So that's out there. But there were a couple of things in there that I was asked from some readers and people who follow me on Twitter. And you should be following me on Twitter if you like this podcast, at Seamus underscore Clancy. You can find me on there. And then obviously at Bleeding Green on Twitter for all of that great Bleeding Green Nation content on there. What everyone's talking about in Philadelphia is obviously the 76ers. It's a, it's a lull in the NFL season. We're not in full training camp yet. Rookies have been doing some things. Some veterans are in there. Uh, the drafts passed us. And Philadelphia 76ers, Philadelphia teams, again, not everyone who's an Eagles fan who listens to this podcast, reads the website, it's from Philadelphia, or some people probably aren't Sixers fans or NBA fans, whatever. But it's impossible to talk about Philadelphia sports right now without realizing the magnitude of the loss that the Sixers just went through in the second round. They were top seed in the Eastern Conference, had home court advantage throughout the Eastern Conference playoffs. Could have had it in the finals, too, depending on who they were going to play. And they lose to the fifth seed, Atlanta Hawks, in seven games. They have in game up 2-1 in the series. Game four, blow an 18-point lead and lose. Game five, game five, one of the worst Philadelphia sports games of all time. Blow a 26-point lead and lose. And I believe for the series in all seven games total, the Sixers outscored the Hawks by 20 points. Their point differential was plus 20 in the series, and they still lost. It was something that is crippling. I I don't even know. I wrote this in my newsletter. I talk about my newsletter all the time. You can subscribe, patreon.com, backslash, tons of great content in there literally every weekday morning. Pouring my heart and soul into it, the way these teams aggravate me or elate my mood or all those different things. And I just don't know if my Sixers fandom will ever be like that again, the way it was this process. Ben Simmons might be gone. We're going to talk about Ben Simmons a little bit and how he reminds Philadelphia sports fans of another, I guess, uh, lightning rod of a player who just left the city across the street at Lincoln Financial Field. I think you know what I'm talking about. But it felt like the Sixers version of the 2002 NFC Championship game. That's the biggest loss in Eagles history for me, for Eagles fans of my age. I know people are older, might say other things. That's fine. 
but I was young. I was formative. That felt like the best Eagles team of that era, including the 2014 that went to the Super Bowl, had Terrell Owens, all of those things. That defense was amazing. Donovan McNabb and his prime, you know, peak athletically, gets hurt during that season, comes back, like plays okay, but isn't 100%. They go out there, they have, you know, they lost in St. Louis in 2001 in the NFC Championship game. This year they have home field advantage. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers come to town. This town, they, this team they beat in the playoffs the previous year, this team that had beat that regular season, this team that they had owned in the last couple of years. And there was that crazy statistic or whatever that is burned in my brain. I will remember forever. The Buccaneers have never lost a game where the temperature at kickoff is below 37 degrees or whatever number that was from Tampa Bay that they can't win in the cold. They're coming up to Philadelphia in January. They're going to get rocked. It's the last game at Veterans Stadium. In all those years at Veterans Stadium, the Eagles had only made the Super Bowl once. They had never won the Super Bowl. It felt so fitting in the last Eagles game there with all of the craziness and memorable games and moments and fights and however you remember the vet, all those things were there. And they just went away in an instant. And the game started so exciting. That's the thing that hurts the way this this series with the Sixers, they're up 2-1, they're up 18, they're up 26. The way they should have won the series, they should have won that game too. They, you know, Brian Mitchell has a huge kick return to start the game. Deuce Daly has a huge touchdown run, and then they just get owned. And they ran into one of the best defenses of all time. But the thing that hurts me is that the that's the biggest missed opportunity of that era. The Eagles made four straight NFC championship games from 2001 to 2004. Three of those four years, the Patriots make the Super Bowl and they win the Super Bowl. Greatest quarterback of all time, greatest coach of all time. One of those years, obviously, the Eagles play the Patriots and lose. Again, if they played a different team, maybe that's not the case. So 2002 was the lone year in that span that the Patriots didn't make the Super Bowl. They didn't even make the playoffs that year. So they would have won against the Oakland Raiders, coached by Bill Callahan, and very beatable team. We saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers squash them in the Super Bowl that year. Squash them. Beat them bad, bad, bad. And that was their best opportunity in that era and the pre, I guess, Doug Peterson ever for them to win the Super Bowl for the first time ever. That was the golden opportunity. The stars had aligned. They had home field. The best player of all time. We didn't know he's the best player of all time yet. Him and his team weren't in it. Retrospect, that was the year to win, and they blew it. But this Hawks series is infinitely more embarrassing to me because at the same time, the Eagles, again, I said they ran into – one of the best events of all time. Tampa Bay smoked Oakland in the Super Bowl. That was a very good team. Great team. Again, Hall of Famers. Multiple Hall of Famers on that defense. Hard to, you know, <laughs> that's hard. And you have a banged up Don McNabb. What were you really expecting for them to accomplish offensively? You have Joe Jaravicious running all over the place. Yeah, yeah, we know that. But, you know, it was their day. It wasn't the Eagles' day. Thing is with the Sixers, it's so embarrassing because they played down. It was such inferior competition. And they outplayed, other than game one, they outplayed him in all other six games of that series. They had, as I said, an 18 point game lead in one game when they were up 2 1 in the series. Series is tied 2 2. They're at home at the Wells Fargo Center where they had the best 
home record for the last three or four years in the NBA. And they blow a 26-point lead. Are you kidding me? How do you respond to that? As a team, they went down to Atlanta in game six and they laid a goose egg in, in game seven on Sunday night. It's just, just so embarrassing. So embarrassing. Like, I'm embarrassed to be a Sixers fan. I, I didn't feel that way when the Eagles were losing those NFC Championship games. They just had tough luck sometimes. It, it's just the way it is. It's one game. The NFL is one game playoff round. Something could go wrong that day. Sometimes you just roll and run into a steamwall defense like they did in 2002. They had seven games to beat an inferior team. They were the fifth seed. They didn't even have home court advantage in the first round. They have multiple all-stars, multiple quote-unquote superstars, and they didn't get it done. So people ask me in the newsletter. Or the, I keep calling it a newsletter because I, I the newsletter is everything to me, as you know. But in the, in the mailbag – so it was like rank your your worst Philly sports losses. So number one, it, it's still because of the magnitude because that's the year they should have won the Super Bowl. We never knew if they were going to get there again until the magical, you know, you know, divine inter- intervention of the 2017 season happens. And then 2002 should have been it. And in the same way, all the stars aligned for this Sixer season: LeBron James, and Steph Curry, out of the playoffs. Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, the Nets got knocked out, and the other Eastern Conference semifinal series. I'm thinking we're going to play the Bucs. The Bucs, they're beatable. They're frauds. We can take them. The joke was on us because we were the biggest frauds of them all. And that's not to say those Eagles teams weren't frauds. They weren't. They were great teams and just, you know, that type of series, a one-game playoff. Every playoff game is an elimination game. It happens. So I will say Eagles still, number one, 2002 NFC Championship game. Number two, I have game five, 26-point blown lead against the Hawks to go down 3-2. That, that was kind of the knife in the series for me now. And the coffin, however you want to say it, you know, going into game six, I was destitute. I kind of wanted the game to be over. Like, obviously, I wanted to win. I was rooting like hell during the game. But I'm thinking, you know, rip the Band-Aid off, man. I'm done dealing with this. I can't handle it. Game three, or not game three, the third game I have on this list I believe – I'm not looking at it now because the list has always changed. It's fluid, whatever. And I had 2011 NLDS. A lot of people pick game five of that NLDS series. They lost to the Cardinals. Cardinals going to win the World Series that year. It was the best record in Philly's history. They won like 104 games or something like that. Uh, game two I have on there uh, because that was the game – they won game one. They were up 5-1, I think, in game game two. Cliff Lee's on the mound. They're thinking, oh my God, this, this game's it. It's over. I was at that game, so that, that plays a role for me. I have standing room tickets for my boy Bobby, and we're in there. We're vibing. This is great. Cliff Lee's on the mound. We're going to do this. We're going to go up 2-0. We're going to win the World Series again like we should have the last two years, but we're finally get back. Two World Series ones in four years. Let's get it. And he just explodes. They go down 1-1. The energy's just not there, and they lose that series, and that was it. The Phillies haven't played a playoff game since. We're going on 10 years since that. A playoff series since that, since that series. Game five, they lose. Ryan Howard gets hurt in that game. People say because Ryan Howard gets hurt. That's their thing there. I get that. I get it's the final game. Roy Halladay pitched one of the best games of his life and threw out his arm, basically. was never the same pitcher again. Uh, Ryan Howard's Achilles explodes on the on the last pitch of the game. Um, but at the same time, it felt like that era was over. Um, we saw the aging curve coming from a lot of those players. So I think that year would have been hit. Like, 
I don't think there was a 2012 run waiting for this team, even if they won the World Series. So I feel like that is what it was, and, and that game was worse for me. Um, being there obviously plays a role, but that was like the last moment where I had like super confidence that the Phillies were going to win this World Series, whereas game five, um, like, I'm going to nail biter, but biting nails, pulling my hair out, scratch myself, wanting to slam the remote against the couch or, you know, whatever it may be. That was more anxious, whereas game two was the last time I felt this relief. Like this was the dominant team. We're going to beat everyone. So that was the end of that. Game four or fourth game on the list, I had the year prior, uh, the Phillies. I keep saying all these teams. I'm confused myself. It's an Eagles podcast. Uh, NLCS, 2002, game six against the Giants. They lose that game. Uh, Juan Uribe hits that. Home run that just barely gets over the fence off Ryan Madsen. Uh, Phillies lose. Ryan Howard strikes out looking to Brian Wilson on the last pitch of the game. Uh, terrible ending of the series for Ryan for Ryan Howard back to back years. Obviously not not in a bad way. I'm not you know crapping on him, but just really unfortunate, especially with that catastrophic, essentially career ending injury. Obviously he still played some, but you know after an injury like that as a first baseman as a power hitter it's hard to come back for any player but especially for a player of that archetype and then for the fifth game i think i put and this game's fluid i, I just threw it up there it was the first thing that came in my head uh was so eagles fans know 2018 nfl division around the eagles go down to new orleans play the saints they're up in that game the offense stutters and stalls and you know, then they go down and they're on that final drive. And we're thinking, oh my God, they're going to win this. They're going to win the Super Bowl. They're going to play the Rams next week. They're going to win the Super Bowl again when Nick Foles is a backup. And then Alshon has that trot that turns an interception. And, you know, that's the last time the Eagles, I felt like we're going to win a playoff game. Whereas, you know, when you went into that Seahawks game two years ago, and, you know, Carson, you know, I'm thinking they never beat the Seahawks no matter if they're home. So I'm not super confident going to that game. And then Wentz gets hurt and it's over. So, like, the magic has never really been there since that Saints game for this team. It's never – they've never quite felt like true Super Bowl contenders since, you know, some point in that first half against that game. Um, they haven't reached those heights since. And I don't, I don't know when it, they will ever again. It could be could be this year. Probably not. <laughs> could be two years from now. could be five years. It could be 15 years from now. That's what I thought was so special about the NFC Championship game in 2017 and, and the Super Bowl and that whole run. People were like, oh, well, you know, if they lose, we'll be back with Carson next year or whatever. The future's not given to NFL. As we've seen, Carson Wentz never got back there. The Eagles never got back there. They went 13 years without having a home NFC Championship game. I wanted to go to that game because it could be 15, 20 years before I ever experienced something like that again. And it was. That's why – that's why that year is so magical. It, we thought it was going to be this this run that would catapult us into the, the 2020s and has been anything but that. And a lot of that reason is because of the dissolution of the Carson Wentz era. And that reminds me of the Ben Simmons discussion. Carson Wentz, top two pick in 2016, as Ben Simmons was, showed a ton of promise and success early. Carson looked great as a rookie in 2016, has that MVP caliber season 2017, Ben Simmons misses his rookie year. Well, misses his first year. His actual technical rookie of the year comes in the 2017-2018 season. Wins rookie of the year. He looks dominant. He looks like you know, the second coming of Magic Johnson, all of these things. Uh, you know, he wins rookie of the year. You're thinking this guy is going to be unbelievable, super-duper star. You know, does, plays really poorly against the Celtics in the second round of the playoffs. You're thinking, okay, he's going to come back this summer. He's going to fix his game. He's going to get, you know, better – you know, get a better at attacking the basket, get better as a jump shooter with all these things, going to get more versatile on his offensive game, even though we know how versatile he could be 
defensively. And it just he just hasn't gotten better offensively in four years in the NBA. And it's it's time to stop projecting what he might be and looking at him through these you know rosy eyed glasses and through this this prism where we assume that you know one day he's just going to magically step on an NBA court and be a seventy five percent free throw shooter, where he's going to attack hard to the lane, where he's going to start shooting thirty eight percent from three. Those things aren't magically happening if he's not going to work on his game and he hasn't worked on his game. He hasn't gotten better on offense since the moment. He played his first NBA game. That's that's inexcusable. That's an issue where Ken Nguyen's, you know, kind of gets babied within the organization. Is allowed to kind of do what he wants. Has his own people on the inside. You know, lets them dictate what he's doing. Where he makes the organization. He dictates what the organization does. That's not part of a team. It happened with Wentz. It happened with Ben Simmons. And a situation like Wentz this past year. The way that season end, he gets pulled against the Packers. I could never see him play another snap against a snap for the Eagles, is what I thought. I would never see Carson Wentz on the field in an Eagles jersey again. And we never did. Same way after game seven, Ben Simmons walking on that off that court. I know in my heart, that guy is never playing another second, whatever play in the Sixers room. Or at least he can. Maybe they, you know, Daryl Morey holds on to him. They want to boost his value. I think it's a little, but I don't understand how you can come back from that. How do you come back from that? Doc Rivers frustrated. Daryl Morey frustrated. Joel Embiid, the team's best player, is frustrated. He's playing like a point center out there as the ball handler because the other dude's standing in the dunker spot all game. Got a point guard who can't do anything. You have a center whose game has gotten so much better each and every year. Had his best year ever. It's gotten better as a three-point shooter, better as a handler, dribble drives, dribble handoffs, pick and roll, all of these things. He's exploding this game. His game, he's played more like a point guard as Ben Simmons is de facto played as a center because he won't play like a point guard. He's a he's a, probably a power forward or center, but wants to be known as a point guard. It makes no sense. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of him and Carson Wentz. You know, Carson Wentz are in Philadelphia. Unquestionably a success. They don't win that Super Bowl if not for him. Ben Simmons are in Philadelphia. Still a success. That team was in dire straits for a long time. Again, they haven't, they didn't go to the NFC, the, the Eastern Conference Championship any of these years, but they went to seven games twice. Um, they went to the second round another time. And it really didn't reach those heights, but the team has been pretty good for that time in a way that we haven't seen in Philadelphia consistently since the 80s. So you have to say this era was success, but it's it's one of those things where this is kind of how I phrase it in the mailbag. Only in this reality warping place where we have Philadelphia sports could we have two players so talented, who've had so much success, and their tenure here be disappointment. And that's not a thing for the fans. Like people, oh, fans are too hard on them. You have to realize you have to get better as a professional athlete. You can't just stay who you are. You can't want to be the man. You can't want to have the organization building every single thing around you. If you're not doing the proper stuff to connect to your teammates, 
and be a better player and develop your game and do things different. So that when defenses, I guess defenses, both sides are now because Carson's a quarterback and sometimes I'm talking about him offensively. When defenses adapt to you and you don't adapt to that, you're going to stop having that success you want. Instead, people are going to start thinking at you differently. You're saying, hey, you're getting older. You've been in the league four years, you've been in the league five years, whatever it is. Something's got to change and they didn't change. And I'm just, I'm just sick of it. I can't watch them anymore. I don't hate that they draft him or anything. Had a ton of fun watching him over the years. Feels like a breakup in slow motion where you know that's the moment where you have to stop projecting what you want your partner, what you want this person to be, and realize who they truly are. See them through the prism of someone objectively. Because that both players have had their you know blind faith, hardcore defenders. And I get wanting to defend your players. You know, I defend Carson Wentz all the time in the past before this past season, after you know, two or three games of this season. I'm like, this isn't it, this ain't it. I need to get out of here. He needs to get out of here. And you know, it's a situation where I understand you want them, you feel so connected to these players, you want them to succeed because you want the team to succeed. But sometimes you have to realize the best thing possible for the team to see to succeed is these guys moving onward and going with different options. I want to see the Eagles and Sixers succeed more than anything in the world. And because of that, at different points, I wanted to see Carson Wentz and Ben Simmons succeed more than anything in the world because them doing so would have reached my desired goal. But after this time and looking at them and taking a step back and saying, how would I view this team and this player if I was a fan of another team? How bad would we clown Ben Simmons and the Sixers, if we were Knicks fans or Bucks fans or Raptors fans or whatever, how bad will we, you know, crap on the Eagles and Carson Wentz this past year if we were a fan of, not I'm going to say the NFC East teams because they were all terrible, but if you are a Rams or a Seahawks fan or a Patriots fan or a Chiefs fan, all of these things, I wouldn't be able to stop making Ben Simmons jokes on Twitter. But I'm just stuck thinking – this is my guy. He is kind of, but I don't want him to be my guy anymore. It's hard. You know, sports are a relationship we have. Sports are the longest relationships we'll ever be in. You know, early in your life, you date some people, it doesn't work out in high school, college, whatever. And then maybe eventually find someone who's the person for you and settle down for them. Maybe you're 20 and that happens. Maybe you're 25, maybe you're 30, 40. doesn't matter when, but at that stage, you've always already been in this toxic relationship with your favorite sports teams. If you're a Philadelphia fan, because I know that's not the same for everyone. Um, not every fan is this dedicated from other cities, but I know the way that Philadelphians and people from the surrounding area here are so dedicated to the Eagles and Sixers and Flyers and Phillies. Some people have those teams in different orders. I, for me, it's Eagles and then Sixers. And those are the two teams that I obviously, you know, go so bonkers for. I know I talk about a couple of Phillies games in there. I obviously love the Phillies when they're good. It's, you know, baseball so electric, got a, you know, Philly shirt on. So I'm, I'm not saying it that way, but uh, I'm not banging my head against the wall after every Philly's loss in 162 game season when they're a mediocre team. Whereas these, these Eagles and Sixers teams of late have had so much promise, but have not delivered on it in the slightest. You know, the, we've been in these relationships since we're five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old. So all we, we've known this longer than anything than, you know, maybe a grade school friendship or your family relationships. But sometimes you need to like break up with these players who come into this relationship with these teams and realize, you know, being critical of players, being critical of Carson Wentz, 
being critical of Ben Simmons doesn't make you less of a fan, doesn't make you a coward. I hate when people say, oh, you're a coward. You're a coward for not wanting to step back and think you can love the Eagles without loving some of those players, without supporting the quarterback, without supporting the Sixers point guard. That doesn't make you any less of a fan. If anything, that makes you just a more, not realistic, but rational. Because you're thinking, I love this team. The best thing for this team would be to move this player, get something else in return, and go forward and reconstruct the team. And that's what the Eagles did. Hopefully it works out with Jalen Hurts. I'm a big Jalen Hurts guy. If not, they have a couple draft picks next year to find a new quarterback. We'll see. It was the right thing for the organization to move on from Carson Wentz. Ben Simmons, I don't know who they'll get back from. They trade him. Zach Levine, that seems unrealistic. Maybe C.J. McCollum from the Trailblazers. I love that. Great scoring guards. They need a scoring guard. We see in the NBA now, the playoffs, the best way to win is perimeter scoring. And that's not a slight against Joel Embiid, who's could have been MVP this year, amazing, electric. But when it, the deeper and deeper you get in, in the playoffs, you're going to need a perimeter player to initiate offense. The Sixers don't have that, and that's why they have not been in the Eastern Conference Finals in 20 years. Where am I at now? 23, 24 minutes recording this. That's it. I don't know. Sucks. It sucks. Waking up Monday was rough. I'm recording this again Tuesday afternoon. Monday was a, it's a rough day. You know, that's one of those things reminds me waking up after a big Eagles loss. And it feels like every loss is a big Eagles loss, but nothing really hits in, in basketball quite like the Sixers this year is when they lost game four, especially game five. And then by game seven, while it was a struggle to kind of get up in the morning, go out my day and writing and, you know, grow run errands and stuff like that. Um, I was kind of numb to it at that point. Whereas game five was and my dad over. I, it's the first time I watched the Sixers playoff game with my dad in probably 20 years. And he was excited. He was over, ordered some wings from North third um, and Northern Liberty's great wings there. You know, had some drinks, um, had our matching Allen Iverson jerseys on. We were so excited having a blast. Ashley's there obviously. And it just doesn't come to fruition. And it's soul crushing really. Right. I mean, you're a Sixers fan, but it's the same thing. Even if you're not a huge Sixers fan, you can empathize. Remember the last soul-crushing Eagles loss, whether it's 2020, whether it's that Seahawks game, whether it's you know a game in 2019, or you know going back to one of those games that it was the worst ever with that that Saints game, and I guess January 2019, the 2018 season. Sports are killers, toxic relationship, but one I can never get out of. I, I know I said my Sixers fandom. Never be the same, but that doesn't mean I'll be less of a fan. Just I can't think of them the same way as I used to. And I don't know exactly what that means, but the way the Rondé Barber 2002 NFC Championship game thing felt like something that broke a ton of fans out there and really shaped me into this weird, neurotic, crazed, unhinged sports fan as I got older. Um, I feel like the Sixers series is going to do that for a lot of people. And whereas that was the heartbreak of my childhood in terms of sports, um, this was it um, for my adulthood at just, just recently turning 27 last month. Yeah. What is it? 20, I guess going on nine, three, 18, 17 years apart. We've, we've done these things at someone's lifetime in between those two, two of the biggest sports failures I've seen for my team. So I'm you know, talking a little, I get energetic. I get down. I guess that's the vibe of this podcast, but Sixers done. Won't break my heart for another four months, but Eagles coming preseason in August, training camp next month. Season kicks off September down in Atlanta. 
I'm ready to be heard all over again, baby. All right, so for me, Seamus Clancy. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Seamus underscore Clancy. You know all this stuff. Newsletter, patreon.com backslash Seamus underscore Clancy. Follow the Instagram, Bleeding Green Insta on there. We post clips from the podcast and all this other stuff. It's great. Please follow. And thanks to our great producer, Rachelle, for handling a lot of that stuff and editing this podcast and putting it together. Keep Bleeding Green. I hate the Sixers right now. I love the Eagles right now, but I'm ready to hate them again in the fall. G and